Well, it's good to be with you, and uh, it's good to be in this pulpit, and Pastor Gordon, wherever you are, we miss you. Haven't you enjoyed his preaching and ministry to us? What a blessed group we are to, uh, to share in his ministry from week to week. Last Sunday, Pastor uh, began a new sermon series on stewardship. And all we know is that means just giving. You know, just come on, keep bleeding. We'll get a little more out of you and all of that. But most of us who've been around the church for any amount of time know that stewardship is about a lifestyle. It's about who we are as individuals before God. Uh, Is giving a part of that financially? Yes, it is. But so is caring. And so are relationships. And so is that development of our own spiritual lives as believers before God. So this whole idea of crafting our lives as stewards becomes incredibly significant. Now, if you were to read through the letter that we call 2 Corinthians, you would sooner or later come to chapter 8. And in chapter 8, as you read carefully, you would realize there was this idea of stewardship that was developing. And you would go on into chapter 9 and you'd say, oh my goodness, he's developing it even more. In 2 Corinthians, these two chapters, chapters 8 and 9, really bring together this life of what it means to be a Christian steward. One who recognizes what God has done on behalf of humanity. You see, in chapter 8, we find that powerful insight that Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. One of the great texts. Then we go on into chapter 9 and we see more of that understanding of what God has done through Jesus Christ that shapes our lives as stewards within the kingdom. Very, very important. If we really had the time, I'd like to begin at verse 6 of chapter 9 and work our way through to the end of the chapter, verse 15, just kind of verse by verse, phrase by phrase. It demands that kind of close effort. We don't have the time, but we're going to take a look at this passage and do our best to understand what Paul is trying to say to us about stewardship. So this morning I'm reading in your presence 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible this morning. The translation you have will be very close, but hear the word of the Lord this morning. Now I say this, the one who sows sparingly 
will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows generously will also reap generously. Each one must do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Is that amazing? I like that text a lot. Not under compulsion, not reluctantly, but cheerfully we carry out this work of stewardship. And God is able to make all grace overflow to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us to producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. While they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing greatness of God in you. Have you ever read that verse before? Because of the surpassing greatness of God in you. That's a marvelous thought. And then Paul closes this section with that marvelous verse. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What a marvelous, marvelous thought. And what an end to this whole idea of what stewardship is about. Now, if we were to think about what a steward is, if we would think about our life in the act of stewardship, we might think of ourselves as a manager of an estate in which we share responsibility and accountability for all that we do. If you want to see what the biblical idea of a really poor steward is about, turn to Luke chapter 16 and read the parable that Jesus gives there and the problem that is created when one fails to be responsible or accountable. So stewardship is this means by which an estate or a business is cared for so that there can be a future for all who are involved. Because in the work that the steward does, the steward is carrying out the desires of the owner. In spiritual terms, we are doing our stewardship, carrying out the desires of God in the midst of our life. See, believers become stewards of God's gifts, of God's blessings, 
those financial blessings, those relational blessings, those blessings that reach us spiritually. And it all has to do, if you please, with learning what spiritual generosity is all about. Now, spiritual generosity is a far broader term than just financial generosity. And in many ways, it's even more demanding because of who we are and how we live. The fact is that all of us like to have those little snippets of time when we can just kind of hide away from it all and renew and maybe do something that we just feel we've earned the right to do. And yet there's another meeting or there's a person to meet or there's a person on the phone who needs some counseling. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to realize that God has given to us this gift of stewardship and we're going to live with it the best of our ability day by day by day. The first thing I want you to see from this text, marvelous text, is that it is faith that activates this principle of sowing and reaping in each believer. It's really interesting how Paul uses this this imagery from agriculture, something that everyone in the ancient world would have known about a little bit, to make his point. Have you been to Nebraska, seen the state capitol in Lincoln? Do you know what's on the top of the state capitol in Lincoln, Nebraska? A sower, his arm extended, throwing forth the grain that the wheat might be planted as they used to do it in days gone by. Nebraska is that great agricultural state where sowing and reaping was a part of the game of life. Because you see, If we're going to reap a harvest, sooner or later we're going to have to do the hard work of sowing. But to sow well means that we have to take an assessment of the resources that we have. Well, you've got 10 acres to plant, but you know you've only got enough seed to cover seven. What are you going to lie follow there? What are you going to leave as raw earth? What are you going to do here? How are you going to make this work? Well, I have an abundance of seed. What am I going to do with the rest of it that's left over after I plant all ten acres? What am I going to do? Well, the sower makes an assessment of the resources that are there for making the crop into a bountiful harvest. You see, to reap a harvest, we must take the time to plant. It's an intentional act of giving. It takes time. It takes care. It takes the resources that we have. But sowing and reaping demands a vision. 
Well, I'm going to sow this uh, grain, but, you know, I know there's a big storm coming, and it's probably just going to wash it all away. Oh, well, I'm going to do my job. Well, that would be pretty poor stewardship. just wouldn't be very good. To sow and to reap well, there must be a vision for the harvest. Now, let's get real practical. What about our lives? Have you taken an assessment of the gifts you have been given? I think this is the greatest thing that each of us could do in the next six weeks of our lives if we really would. What valuable gifts have I been given? What can I do with my life that can make a difference that could help me somehow for Jesus' sake to reap a spiritual harvest that would show forth his blessings in my life and in our world. You see, I think most of us have far more to give than we really know. But we've not taken time to assess all that we have We've not taken the time to really understand the value of what God has given to us. But when we do, I think there's marvelous insight that can be gained in our lives. I've said that sowing demands a vision of the harvest. You know, in in Pauline terms, that's just another image for faith, isn't it? If we're going to sow and reap, we're going to live by faith. And we're going to keep asking that question, what can I do with what I have been given? Now, you might say, (laughs) I'm an old guy like you, Smith. There isn't much left for me to do. Well, okay, but find out what it is, will you? Don't sit on it. Find it out. Let it motivate who you are and make a difference in your life. Faith activates the principle of sowing and reaping that brings about the vision of a great harvest. But more than that, It is God's grace that enables us to live even in abundance. Verse 8 is remarkable in this respect. Paul writes, God is able to make all grace overflow to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Now that abundance doesn't come just from our own ability. It doesn't come from our own vision. It comes from what God is 
showing us as we assess those resources and we entrust our lives to him. You see, the steward knows the resources of the owner of the estate or the business, if that one is a good steward. The steward knows. But more than that, the steward activates that vision and begins to make it work, putting faith to work, so to speak. Trusting God for the harvest that is to come. God's grace. Let's get real practical again, okay? I talked about us trying to recognize our resources and the value of the gifts we have been given. But as we do that, we need to add to it the ability to sit down and remember and recall clearly how God's grace has truly come to us. Now, grace has a little bit of a mysterious feel to it. We don't always see it as clearly as we see some things. You know, you heard the person say, I stayed up all night waiting for the sun to rise and then it dawned on me. Grace is kind of like that. All of a sudden... There it is. It makes a difference in how we live and what's taking place in our lives. But the good news is that grace is not merely some skimpy little product God has extended to us. Listen to what Paul tells the Ephesians over in chapter 1 as he's writing to them. In verse 7 and 8, he says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. God has lavished his grace upon us. Regardless, Do you believe that? No, 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 no. Do you believe that? Do you? You said I do once and it got you in a lot of trouble and you've just said it again. (laughs) But you really do. Good. You see, that makes all of the difference. When we really know that that lavishment of grace has shaped us and allowed us to become who we are. So so stewardship is not nearly about pulling out the wallet, digging into the wallet, and oh man, what can I give today? No, 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 no. That's, that's crazy. Stewardship is about our life that has experienced the grace of God that has made a difference in everything that we do. But it is grace that has been lavished upon us. God has given us his grace in abundance that we might know 
the wonder of the harvest that is to come. You see, I think about that harvest. And no matter how really good we are at planting the seed, no matter how much care we have given to it, no matter how much preparation has been given to the fields, the harvest is never guaranteed because of the weather, because of perhaps problems, you see. There used to be an old proverb amongst the Greeks that talked about it's better to have a field on rocky ground without war than to have a field in the greenest valley during a time of conflict. Because we don't know what might happen to that great field in the midst of war. God's grace enables us to live in abundance. But sometimes we're looking for the wrong harvest, aren't we? <laughs> it's because we've not checked our resources. We don't always know what we've planted. Now, I was raised in a very small agricultural community in central Michigan. Never got up on one of those John Deere tractors or those red farm alls, you know, and... Uh, Going out to plant seed in a newly prepared field. But I've watched. I know what goes on. And I know that the farmer does his best to do the work that is given to be done. But there is no guarantee. Our guarantee spiritually comes from a God who cares about us and who is helping us to see that there's a good there's a good chance that if we plant corn we're going to harvest a good field of corn. If we plant wheat there's a good chance we're going to harvest a good field of wheat. I don't think it's ever happened in the history of the world that if you've planted corn, you've reaped wheat. It just doesn't work that way. That's not the principle of sowing and reaping. So we assess what God has given to us and we live with it and we understand it. And we look for the harvest because it is in God's hands. So, we've had at this point this truth that faith activates the principle of sowing and reaping. That God's grace enables us to live in abundance. We also are aware that from the perspective of the gospel, God has provided his indescribable gift to us. 
Paul says in verse 13, Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience. Now, the they there is those who are receiving the offering that Paul is wanting to raise, even from the Corinthians. Those people who have been given the offering, he says, will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. So so we don't just give, dare I say, and and please forgive me, I'm not trying to put anybody or anything down, but, but we're doing more than, an, than a humanitarian act. Oh, I love humanity so much. I just want to give. That's great. But in 2 Corinthians 9, we're doing it as those who are trusting God to make a difference in the gifts that we give. That he is involved in our doing, in our stewardship, in what he has given us to accomplish. You see, our task, according to verse 13, first, is to understand the gospel and how it impacts upon our life. Well, I've heard that term all my life. Good for you. Have you really chosen to understand what the gospel is about? How God has come to us through Jesus Christ that we might no longer be alienated on this side of the ditch without knowing what that eternal gift is all about. God has spanned heaven and earth to teach us afresh the wonder of his grace in our life. And there's more than just today involved in our existence. That's why the parable of Jesus and the farmer who says before he goes to bed at night, my barns are full, I'll tear them down and build bigger. The harvest has been great. Jesus says, be careful. There's a time of accountability coming for even you, Mr. Farmer. And you're going to be accountable for all you've done and what you've done and how you live. So our task is to understand the gospel human need, and the grace of God. And how it comes together to transform who we are and how we live. To transform us. God's gift is not without faith that we might trust the owner explicitly. God has promised abundance 
He's promised to help us prepare for receiving the indescribable gift of which he speaks. But we have to express that faith. That relationship of faith that can say, I receive that gift and it is mine. I know that sounds so bigoted or so individualistic. But we do that to the glory of God. Not to hoard it. Because you see, there's this marvelous little principle here that runs throughout this text that's rather important. Let Let me share this with you. In the text, God gives. That's the first thing. That's that grace element. God gives the resources, and we respond. We receive. Next, after God is given and we have received, we give and we reap the harvest. But that is only complete when we give thanks to God. And it all starts over again. It's a wonderful cycle of God's abundance. God gives We receive, we give, the harvest comes, we thank God for his indescribable gift. Now folks, what we need to see in the image of sowing and reaping is that when that sower begins to take the abundance that he has stored up, the grain that he has to sow. He has to take the risk, she has to take the risk to throw it out there and to distribute it that the crop might grow and we live in anticipation of the harvest. But if we just look at all of that grain and say, Man, look what God has given to me. And we just choose to do nothing with it. Nothing happens. There is no harvest. We have to get involved in the task of proclaiming the gospel that others might receive that which we have received. God gives, we receive, we give, the harvest comes, we thank God. And it starts all over again. And we participate in that cycle of trust that makes all of the difference in our lives. 1879, John Wesley was 86 years old. And he preached... A sermon on the use of money. And uh, he made a statement about his understanding of money that has been faithfully recorded in his sermons. And you've probably heard it, but it's a fitting place for us to close. A sermon on stewardship. A life shaped by the gospel. 
Wesley said, as God's people, we need to earn all we can so that we can save all we can so we can give all we can. Something happens in life when as stewards we learn to give of the resources that God has given to us. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Our Father, we thank you for the gift of grace that has transformed our lives and given us hope for the harvest. Now, Lord, may we live in the midst of the abundance you have provided, accountable, responsibly, and faithfully as your children. And now, may our God and Father himself and the Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow in love for one another and for all people, just as we do also for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God, before our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all his saints. May God's blessings be with you. Take time to shake hands with one another. You are dismissed. God bless you.